0: Welcome to the Torah Birthing Podcast. Hey, my name is Batya Khan. I'm a Rebetzin, doula, and childbirth educator. My mission is to help women have the best transition into motherhood that you could possibly wish for. So you could fulfill your tafkid with support and recognize the power that you have. The Torah is the guidebook for our lives. It's the best mindset work that you could possibly do. Are you familiar with it? It's important to know. It's important to learn. So let's do this. Welcome to episode number 10 of the Torah Birthing Podcast. I can't believe it's been 10 episodes. This is like amazing and incredible. I am so grateful and thankful to be here. And today we are talking about the secret to pushing the secret to the pushing phase of labor. And I'm trying something a bit ambitious today because I'm just speaking without notes and I just wrote down a couple of bullet points for myself. So honestly, let's see how this goes. This is going to be something completely new for me and it's always good to do new things and try new things every day. So this week's Parsha is Mishpatim. So there are lots of topics that we could talk about from here, two in specific that I was thinking about and trying to decide if maybe I did want to discuss and explore because there is so much to say about it. Firstly, there is the whole situation of men fighting and somehow a pregnant woman gets in between in the middle of it and they cause her to miscarry, how much Do do they pay? What what goes on with that? And the other thing is selling daughters into servitude. How and when a father is allowed to sell his daughter. So that's a big topic. Like what, what exactly is going on there? But we're not going to exactly do that because I realized that there is something very cool that we could talk about with pushing. So... I was reading through the Parsha and it was very, very interesting as always. I highly recommend learning the Parsha. So I got to the Haftorah. And honestly, I got a bit nervous when I was cross referencing it because I was learning the Haftorah at first and I thought up this whole episode and I had it planned out in my head. And obviously had to work out the kinks a lot with the different sources that I'm going to bring up. But I was thinking up this episode when I was reading the Torah on my phone. And then I looked in the Chumash and it was different. On my phone, it was from Yeshayahu. And in the Chumash, it was from Yirmiyahu. And then I realized this Shabbos is Rosh Chodesh. So this week we're reading a special Haftorah because it's Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. Anytime it's Shabbos Rosh Chodesh on the rare occasions that it is, we read a special Haftorah that is different from what is usual, right? Because we have two Sefer Torah. We have the regular Torah reading and then the Maftir part is read with a special thing for Shabbos Rosh Chodesh from a different Sefer Torah. And then we read this specific perik, Samach samachvav from Yeshayahu perik Samach samachvav from Yeshayahu, and it's a beautiful nevuah about Mashiach. It's a whole interesting and very cool topic where we can explore all the psukim, and it it's very very interesting and very fascinating. It starts off, uh Kol amar Hashem hashamayim kisi the haaretz hadom ragli. So Hashem says in Pasuk Aleph, The heavens are my throne. That's where Hashem's seat is. And the earth is my footstool. That's where I rest my feet. Which is the house that you build for me? What house are you going to make for me? And where is the place that I can rest? Where is my home? This is a real testament to the work that we're doing of bringing Hashem down into this world. And we were talking about this last week in Parshas Yisro. We we were talking about the Mitzvah of Kibbut as it applies to us as parents and as it applies to us as children. And It's a beautiful thing that we're doing because it's the greatest thing that we could do as mothers, bring down a whole new neshama where we are actually the partners with Hashem. So definitely listen to that episode because it was such a good one, such a cool mitzvah, such a cool concept, how we can tap into something so infinite. So in general, this whole nevuah is super interesting about the geulah. But one specific thing obviously jumped out at me. And you'll see why in a second. The Pasuk says in Pasuk Tess. Olid, Yomar Im ani Hamolid Will I bring to the birth stool? Will I bring someone to the birth stool and not have them give birth? Hashem says. Am I not the one who causes birth to happen? Now I will completely shut it off, says Hashem. It's poetic a bit, but you can see why I'm specifically talking about it. Because it's about birth. It's about pushing, right? So in the nevuah about Mashiach, because birth is specifically related to Mashiach, Hashem is promising... To complete and fulfill His word, He says, "If I brought you all the way to that point in labor, I'm not going to bring the actual geulah, bring the actual birth." But obviously, what's interesting to me at the same time is the birth stool, the mashber. The Hashem says ashber, right? So the word, the birth stool, is the mashber. What exactly is the birth stool? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start pulling from other Tanakh sources to see exactly what the birth stool is and what the significance of it is for the entire pushing phase. So let's get into this. Are you ready? The terms that are there for the birth stool in Lashna Kodesh are Mashber and Avnayim. So this is going to go back to the midwives in Parshas Shemos, and I did a whole episode on the midwives. It was very interesting to talk about them, and there is so much that we could learn from them, honestly. And I did mention the birth stool over there. So, obviously, the story was that Paro told the midwives that if you see a baby boy on the birth stool on the Avnaim. Then you should put the baby boy to death. And Rashi says about it, I'll have Nayim. Moshav Haisha The birth stool of Naim is the seat where the birthing woman sits. And then he brings some other sources that I'm going to go into. bimakomacher in another place, Yeshayahu. La Zion. Kar o Mashber. It's actually called a mashber, Different term. The Al But something that is like this specific term, the Avnaim, is a potter who does his work on the Avnaim, on a specific stool that he sits on. Moshe of Umnos so a potter, a craftsman with pottery actually sits on a similar looking stool, which we'll talk about. So in Yeshayahu Perak Lamed Zion, as we said, it says, Ba'u Banim Ad Mashber V'koach Ein The people came up until the breaking point, and they have no power to give birth. The woman came up until the pushing phase, but she has no power to give birth. So this is a very powerful and crazy thing to talk about. So we are going to see exactly how we can put the power and the secret into pushing and how we can actually do the work and give birth and have that power. What is that power? So, the potter, what is the potter doing? The Nevua that we are quoting here is from Yermiahu, Pasuk Yirches, sorry, Parak Yerches, Pasuk Gimel, and Hashem appears to Yermiahu. And he says, go down to the pottery. So Yirmiyahu says, I went down to the potter's house. And here he is doing his work on the stool that he sits on. So we have a potter and then we have a woman giving birth on the stool. And the stool kind of looks like the same positioning. The Mepharshim are interestingly describing this and saying how basically when they sit on the stool, they put one leg out and the other leg spread out opposite. So the potter has his pottery tools and what he's shaping in between his legs and he is doing his pottery work. And a woman is also has this birth stool that she could sit on where there is space inside in between to catch the baby. Just interesting thing for talking about this. The toilet is the dilation station. It is the same idea. So you could sit forwards on the toilet and you could sit backwards on the toilet where you could actually have yourself a pillow and be able to rest at the same time. And the toilet helps labor progress and it helps dilate with gravity. And it's so cool to understand that the midwives in its had this ancient wisdom. This was how pushing happened. Lying on your back to push with stirrups is a modern invention, is a modern new thing. It was not around for centuries and decades and ages it was it was not the way it was done and even halacha talks about this this is when nida starts so there's all this wisdom from way back then and we'll come back to the connection more of a potter and a woman giving birth with this nevuah in a second so let's talk about what's a mashber. And I want to pause for a second and talk about why Lashon Kodesh matters specifically so much. Because it's very interesting. I was talking to a girl and I was teaching Chamesh for several years. And it's very, very interesting to see how... there, Because there are so many english Sfarim that we could learn from and it's so amazing and so necessary that we could just open a book and open a safer in english and just understand and learn and it's so so accessible so my students would always ask me when i was teaching chlomish why do we need to learn it in hebrew like why do i care And what's so cool about Lashon kodesh is that it's a bunch of building blocks. Everything fits into everything. So I explain that the reason why English is so much easier for us is because we've been speaking it since always and it's our first language and it's easier for us. Whatever you speak as a native tongue is going to be easier for you, but... If you had to learn a new language and you had a choice between English and Lashna Kodesh, Lashna Kodesh would be much easier because it actually makes sense. It's building blocks and everything fits. One part of the word means something and then the shoresh means something else and then the end of the word means something else and you put it together and it's a beautiful tapestry. And what's extra cool besides for that is that certain words certain Shorashim can have a few meanings. Also certain letters in the beginning and also certain letters at the end can have a few meanings. And if you look deeper, those meanings are related. So I really think this needs to be taught in school and we sort of dry out the whole beauty of it we tried to water it down and explain it. And it's hard to teach it as a new language. But so many of us don't connect to it. And really, it's the coolest thing ever. So let's see it with this word, mash Okay. So, mash mem shin beizresh, is the word. And we have the shoresh, shavar. Shavar has two. Meanings that we're going to talk about here. The first one is to break. Lishpo, to break. Because labor is very hard work. And giving birth, the actual birth time, it feels sometimes like being torn in half. Like the body is just breaking apart and opening and creating the space and making the room for this new life, this new neshama. And it's no joke because they say the ring of fire, like you're actually breaking and sometimes even tearing. And that is okay too. And this is the part of the birth process. Something needs to break, something needs to give, something needs to go. And the second meaning comes from Sefer Baratius, Parak Mem, Aleph, and Membez, where there is a famine in Eretz Yisrael and in the whole world. But Yosef, who was sold to Mitzrayim, interpreted Paro's dreams and he became the second to the king and he managed to store all the food. So the Pasuk says, The harav Haya, I'll call Paneha Fa Yiftach Yosef, as call Asher Bahem. So there was the famine, and Yosef was able to open the stores of food that they built up, and he gave to the Egyptians the food, he distributed it, and even though the famine was so strong in Mitzrayim, they were still able to live. They were still able to exist. So Yaakov saw, So Yaakov, he sees, he finds out that there is food in Mitzrayim. And he tells his sons, why are you worried? Go down and let's get uh, some food. So Rashi explains this Shever as a buying and selling transaction. He explains that the food was bought and sold. So basically what you give, what you put into something, that's what you will get. There is a give and take transaction with this. So Hashem wants a relationship with us, as we're talking about in this Haftorah, right? It's about Mashiach and about the Geuah and how Hashem wants to be comfortable in our world with us here. And in relationships, there is a give and a take. It needs to be every part of the relationship. That's a healthy relationship has a give and a take. There's not just one person giving. There's not just one person taking. It doesn't go just one way. It goes both ways. And this is part of the partnership that we make with Hashem to have a child. as We were talking about in Parsha's Gisro. And there's also the element of reliance, of trust. So there's the give and the take, and there's the trust. So if you're asking your husband to do something for you, don't look over your shoulder and correct the way your husband bathes the kids or does the dishes. Some things need to be let go, and you need to trust. Obviously, if it's not safe, that's a different story. But lots of things we can just let go, and we can just have that trust. So I was talking about this in my birth course and somebody was asking me, one of the people in the course was asking me, what is the reason that women love the pushing phase? Why do they love the pushing phase specifically? So I was thinking about it and I realized that a lot of us love control. Because we could feel some sort of control in the pushing phase when we're actually actively able to push the baby out. And it's not just having to manage through contractions or have the epidural with contractions. We could actually do something and there's actually, we feel like the light is at the end of the tunnel. So we love this control, but it's not the goal. The goal in life and in birth is to do what you have to do, to put one foot in front of the other, not to be obsessively controlling over something. You can relax. Why? Because Hashem has got this. Literally, this is how the process is designed. So lots of birth courses don't talk about this, but sometimes... Before pushing, before the actual pushing phase really starts to kick in, before a woman starts to feel really, really pushy, before you get there, sometimes when you're 10 centimeters open, when you're 10 centimeters dilated, the baby could be higher up or lower down. There is this spacing out of the contractions. So don't let them tell you, oh, you're 10 centimeters push when you want to, or you should push now. Because sometimes there is this spacing out that happens. And it feels like it's not happening. It feels like, oh my gosh, we're working backwards. The contractions are spacing out. And there's time to actually rest and relax. And when I was in labor with my first baby, I honestly had this because I I was told about fetal ejection reflex, but basically fetal ejection reflex is where it feels like you're throwing up sort of, but backwards. And the baby is just coming out and you can't help it. So some women get told not to push. It's too early. The doctor or the midwife is not here yet, but it's just, you can't help it. And it's like happening without any control on our part, on your part. So I I decided in my birth that I was 10 centimeters and I was walking around, my midwife said, whenever you're ready, you could push. And I was just so exhausted after all the labor and I was just wanting for it to happen. And I was just okay, let's let's get it moving. Let's get it done. And my midwife started helping me actively push against, um, what my body was specifically ready for. And I was just like, okay, some women just don't experience fetal ejection reflex, And it could be true. It's probably true. But what's the secret to pushing? The secret is just to relax almost always. Because it's our relationship with Hashem. You have this relationship with Hashem, but are you actually relying on Him? Are you actually saying, okay, I did my steps. I did my part. Now it's my time to totally throw myself into Hashem's hands. And birth and labor and pushing is the ultimate pinnacle experience of that. Because really, really, we could try and control the pushing process and the labor process and the birth process. And sometimes doctors do try to control it. Sometimes midwives do try to control it. Sometimes we do try to get involved and in the way. And sometimes we need it because that's something that Hashem created, that we have this medicine and we have all these tools at our disposal. But too often, we're trying to do better than God. It's your relationship with Hashem. Do you rely on Him? Labor is the pinnacle experience of that. So, back to the Haftorah and the Pasuk. yomar <laughs> Hashem. Hashem is literally promising. Am I going to take a woman all the way to the birth stool and not have her give birth? Am I going to do all these things for the Jewish nation and make it so hard for them because the birth process is so hard and the letting go of control is probably the hardest part? But am I not going to give her the experience of birth? Am I not going to give her the child? Back to the nevuah of the potter of the person who is working with the clay. Hashem told Yirmiyahu go down and see the potter and Yirmiyahu goes down and he sees the potter with his work stool that looks like exactly is called the same thing as a birthing stool, a avnayim, the other term. And Hashem is explaining how he is like a potter. (laughs) Will I not do for you, the Jewish people, like this potter? Is the word of Hashem? (laughs) Like clay in the hands of that potter so too are you in my hands. So Hashem is telling this Nebuah to Yirmiyahu and Yirmiyahu is the messenger for this Nebuah. And Hashem is telling us, you are just like clay in my hand. I could actually help you. I could actually shape you however I want, Hashem says. So, Let me in, please. There's the whole thing in Shira Shiram about this. Hashem wants us to let him in. I can do for you all the good things. I can be for you all the good things. I can make you into all the good things. I can make you into the vessel for that. I can work through you and create and reshape your story however I want it, like clay in his hands. And the haftorah ends off a little bit weird because the last pasuk in this perek is not very positive. So instead of ending off the haftorah there, we read, we go back to the second to last pasuk again because at the end, it's always good. No matter what, if it's not good, then it's not the end yet. Mide Chodesh Beshabato Yavo Kalbasar Amar Hashem. Every new moon, every Rosh Chodesh, and every Shabbos to Shabbos, every person will come and bow before me, says Hashem. That's the point. We are just trying to serve Hashem. And we're saying it twice, in the Haftorah, in the third to last pasuk, and then we go back to it because we don't want to end off bad because the end is good. It's always good, and that is the secret to labor, the secret to pushing. It's the same secret, but it's harder with pushing. You feel like you're in control. Realize that it's a partnership. Realize that we are relying on Hashem. It's a give and take. It's a mashber. It's shever. And it's the avnayim. It's the stool of the potter. And he is putting everything together. Hashem, the ultimate potter. He's got us in his hands. During birth. During life, during all this hard time, during this darkness that needs to end. Let him be in charge. He's got a good plan. The end is good. And we should see the end now. When we read this Haftorah, it's a powerful thing to think about and to realize that this is the whole process and this is the whole point of life. And this is the hardest Avoda. Just to let him in. Just to serve him and to trust him and be the clay in his hands. I would love to hear what you think. Message me on Instagram at TorahBirthing or send me an email TorahBirthing at gmail.com.